and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Bobby Marks this morning on the Bickley Marauder Show. The sample with Duran on the court is, is limited. Um, I'm not worried about him one bit. <laughs> no, I mean, I've seen him, what he was able to do in Brooklyn, playing 40 games. Um, you know, certainly Golden State was before the injury here, but I think he could fit in with any lineup. And when you have the ultimate closer on your floor in the playoff setting, um, you know, him and Devin, I'm not, I'm not concerned. As Bobby Marks, as I mentioned this morning, as we welcome you back into the five o'clock hour here, the Burns and Gambo show on this Monday. And so the experiment begins for the Phoenix Suns on Sunday, game one against the LA Clippers. Kevin Durant, he has played eight games with the Phoenix Suns. It truly is the ultimate eight. experiment. It's sweet. eight games. It's hard to imagine we've ever really seen anything No, like I think it's before. unprecedented. I, I don't think there's anything in our lifetime. In our lifetime, I don't think there's anything like this. A starting lineup that's expected to win the West and maybe the NBA Finals is going to have played eight games together. Eight games together. I'd have to go back and look and make sure that every other guy played the three games that they played with KD. Did Book and Paul and DA and Okogi play? Like, who started those three games? We're going to look at this now because I don't even remember because that was a while ago. Who started the games? I think they all did. Was it Okogi in the three games that Durant started before he got hurt? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Because. Yes, it was. It was. Okay. Almost positive it was. Okay. Because then you're like, but still like eight freaking games. Eight. Eight games. Like that's crazy. Like to think that, that that there's there's no real continuity chemistry, and yet it hasn't developed. It's impossible. How do you develop it over eight games? But they're still favored to win because of just how good those guys are at basketball. Mm-hmm. Because they're smart players. Because I don't I haven't, I haven't played with you, but I'm going to be able to make the right play 95 percent of the time because I I know how to play the game, and you know how to play the game, and you know where to be. And so it is a really small sample size. It's a tremendous experiment. I'm sure the Suns would have loved to have gotten 25 games out of Kevin Durant. They don't have that. There's nothing they can do about it now. Now they're going to go win 16 basketball games. Yeah, they got to go win 16. Yeah, and you and I we we had this conversation earlier in the show, and and we we both acknowledged that while it's a concern. It's not a major concern. And we even did kind of the trite, you know, scale of 1 to 10. 10 is you're freaked out about it and 1 is that you're not worried about it at all. Where are you when it comes to Kevin Durant three. and the fact that he's played 8 games? And I'm about a 3. Yeah. I might even be a little less at a 2. I'm I'm far more worried. I, I was listening to that cut that Eric played in his sports center a second ago of EJ, Eddie Johnson, on with the Wolf and Luke show today, and it was K-Ray filling in. He said, look, man, stuff's going to happen. F- guy's going to get in foul trouble. You get a, you, the free throw discrepancy. Guy's going to get hurt. It's the play- who nobody really knows how this is going to go. I am far far more worried. Far more worried about the unpredictable nature of the NBA playoffs themselves than I am about the eight games that Kevin Durant has played. By that, I mean, is somebody going to get in foul trouble? Is somebody going to get hurt? Is something going to mess up the plan? Is some unexpected, unforeseen emergency going to derail this thing? But doesn't usually the best team win? um, Doesn't like the like it's seven games. It's not one game. 
You can now, unless it's injuries, right? You can't well, you can't account the, for that. But yeah, and okay, that, you have a bad game where your guys got you, your guy gets in foul trouble. Is he going to get in foul trouble for four other games? No, but three it, other games. But I was basically talking about the injury thing. The injury thing. Yeah, I, okay, I, I'm yeah. Not basically that, talking about the injury sure, thing, right? Sure. That's just one of those mm-hmm. th- that just derails everything, right? I, I mean, we were talking about the Clippers and the Suns and the rematch from the Western Conference Finals two yeah. years ago. If Kawhi's not hurt, who the hell knows if the Suns even I make know, it to the NBA the, Finals? They were, yeah, because they had won their first two series. You know, they got down two nothing to Dallas. They came back in one. E- even in the Sun series, they were they were down two nothing, and they came back and made it a series. They made it a three two series. But Utah, they were down to Utah, and they came back and won the series. Kawhi was playing great. But with only Paul George, and Paul George single-handedly won them one of the games against Phoenix. He had like 46 or something like that. But yeah, with the both of them, it's a different story. But you're right. I mean, injuries, that team's been at four years. That team's been at that. Paying these crazy, crazy luxury tax payments. Yep. All for a championship. Yep. And now it may get derailed because Paul George hurt his knee three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's the unpredictable knee. And, and I'm, like I say, that's what's got me concerned Rather than, man, it's only been eight games. I wonder how they're going to gel. They're going to gel fine. They're going to gel fine because, I'll say it again, the adaptability of Kevin Durant, the adaptability of Devin Booker. I mean, look, these guys have egos. Make no mistake. They all have egos. But none of them allow their egos to get in the way of what needs to be done. They, they just That doesn't happen with these guys, this particular team, these particular stars. And I think at the center of it, and it's what our poll question is about today, is Chris Paul. He's, he's, he'll hold it all together. He's the glue guy. He reads it. He sees it. He understands it. He'll make sure the ball goes where it needs to go, right? And if that means him shooting a wide-open three-pointer, he'll take it. Or if that means him running the two-man game with DeAndre Ayton, he'll do it, right? Like, I think he's he's the guy that makes me so not concerned about the eight-game thing because I think Chris Paul will hold it all together. He yeah. will be the glue guy. Yeah, I, and I like his role now, right? I don't like his role without Durant to trying to be the number. We, you know, we, we debated for so long when they didn't have Durant. Who's who's the number two guy? Is it Mikhail? Is it Cam? Is it Paul? Is it Aiden? I mean, different days it was different guys. Now you've got your one-two punch clearly established. You move Chris Paul down to a three or four all, man, he's going to excel at it. You even brought something up that somebody had mentioned that uh, it might have been Kevin Garnett that he might be able to extend his career with this role, you know, over the next couple of years with with uh, Kevin Durant here. I think a player like KD changes you instantly. instantly. I'm just up here looking at it on paper, man. I'm watching Devin Booker's morale. Mm-hmm. I'm watching his his boost. Mm-hmm. He was so boosted, it was like, oh man, this is exactly what I needed. Man, you got two guys who can arguably get you 50. Like you got to give them two double teams. Man, we forget Chris Paul is on this team, right? And DeAndre. We forget DeAndre. Hey, these are two other guys mm-hmm. who can get. 30, 40 in your league. And you know who KD helped out of all of this? He helped Chris Paul. Yep. I think this can actually extend Chris Paul's yep. stay at Phoenix. Because he doesn't have to be a scorer. Sure. He doesn't. It's and not, he can play off the ball for yeah. quite some time. And This year, a year ago, this time a year ago, I should say, it was required of Chris Paul to score. He had to. He had to if they were going to have any chance. Now he doesn't. Now, it, it's he still has to in the sense that if the thing, if the offense opens up in a way where Chris, you've got an open three-point shot. You got to take it, right? Like he he's got to do that. But the idea that the one-two punch of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, it's not the one-two punch of Devin Booker and Chris Paul anymore. It's the one-two punch of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. That's the one-two punch. Chris Paul is like the ultimate 
auxiliary player now in this offense where he is not required to be the second best player on the floor when they're all out and there. And it's best suited for him and at this age. way best suited for him at yeah. this age. Because without Durant, teams, you saw it last year with New Orleans, and we're going to wear you down. Yep. We're going to, Alvarado was pressing him full court, man. He couldn't see, you know, he couldn't make his, the, the right decisions because he had somebody in his grill the whole time. A younger, aggressive guy who was a defensive player of the year in college was up in your grill from the time you touched the ball until you got rid of it. And that wore him down. Dallas Series 2, the way they played him. So you're not going to have to worry about that as much anymore. Remember this soundbite we played last week? This is Chris Paul with Taylor Rooks talking about ring culture and his legacy. Some people have a different perspective on any and everything. If you can win a ring, great. Great for you. I'm I'm damn sure trying. Don't keep competing and keep trying to give myself the best chance I can year in and year out. Uh, but one thing I tell you is that I love that I continue to get an opportunity to do so. You know, don't knock against any guy that's won, because that's hard. I mean, we got to the finals and we lost. I'm damn grateful that I still get a chance to get another crack at it. It's all fine and well. i got to imagine in the back of his mind, he's thinking this is my best chance. This is the best chance I've ever had to win a championship. Yeah. Right. i yeah. got to think he's And he probably that. thought that same thing two years ago. Probably. You know, because that team was so good. And now he's probably thinking it again. I think it's better this year than, you know, if you said, I think it's better now than it was. So... Two years ago, against Milwaukee, or even last year where they were number one seed, people may think, you know, just if you don't know anything, that those were the best chances. Now, as the four seed, this is truly their best chance. So much different. Yeah. Because of the roster and the way it's allocated. Yeah. yeah. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, we've got a new report about the Cardinals in the upcoming NFL draft. What is it? What do we know? What's going to happen in a couple of weeks? We'll talk about all of that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. As with everything when it comes to the NFL draft this time of the year, well, we're two weeks and three days away from the first round. Every time you see a piece of information come across your desk like this, you, you think, okay, that's good. Let's talk about it. Now, why does it exist? Why is it out there? You know, why why is this in front of me? Because there's a reason. It's not just out there, right? Somebody had to have a reason to want it out there. And what I'm talking about is an Adam Schefter tweet from this morning. He tweeted out this morning that, quote, at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick in the upcoming drafts, according to league sources. Cardinals are still mulling whether to move the pick or to make the pick, close quote. All right, so six teams... We can assume who some of those are, right? Tennessee, the Raiders, the Falcons, Titans, the Colts. Been a lot of talk about the Tennessee Raiders. I'm sorry, you said Tennessee. Tennessee, Raiders, Falcons, Colts. You mentioned Seattle might be one of those teams. I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They've got Geno on a short deal. They can get out of it after a year. 
They sure do. Um, so maybe it's them and then probably somebody else. But that's good for the Cardinals. You want all that information out there because all the teams that do want to move up to three, they see that stuff. They panic. You're just trying to listen. All you're trying to do, the parameters for deals are in place. If you want to move up to three, you know what the parameters are. Now, you may be waiting for draft day to see if your quarterback's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you like all of them, maybe you've got parameters in place. But if you're like, hey, I really want this guy. If one of these two guys is there, I'll make the deal. Then your parameters are in place. The only thing you could do if you're the Cardinals is with all this extra interest, you can you could turn that fourth rounder into a third rounder that they're tacking on. Or you could turn next year's third rounder into a second to try to, you know, you, that's all you're doing. Like you don't you don't have a deal with anybody, but you've you've talked about deals. You've got parameters in place for what you would want to make a deal happen. But you get a little bit of leverage because you can always say, look, that that, that deal's not good enough. We have to do better if you want to make a trade. Sure, it's it, I'm selling a car, and I've and I let everyone know, hey, I got six people who really want to buy the car. Now, if I'm one of the six, I'm thinking well, I really want that car. I better offer a little bit more because what if that other guy offers a little bit more? That other guy offers a little bit more and I know it's not a perfect analogy because you can just go find somebody else with the car. tires if you sell it to somebody else. <laughs> well, no, you don't want to do, oh, you can't you don't do, want to do anything illegal. Yeah, you right. don't want to do that. But but it is it, which is why, you know, I, I don't know how Adam Schefter got this information, but it certainly seems reasonable to think that it certainly benefits the Arizona Cardinals to have this out there. Six teams. Ooh. Lots of teams calling the Arizona Cardinals, you would think theoretically, that drives up the price a little bit for teams to go, hey, you know what? We've got some competition for this pick. Are we really making our best offer or do we need to sweeten it? Do we need to come up with, like, to your point, that third rounder, let's make it a second rounder. That third rounder, let's make right. it that fourth yeah. rounder, let's make, make it a it third, third rounder. Right, sweeten the pot a little bit. Yeah. Well, throw in an extra fifth round pick that you weren't planning on on selling, and now you have to do it. So if it's six teams, we, we played this game earlier, and you mentioned a lot of the teams a second ago. Um, I, I think there are... There are four for sure that you can say if what Schefter is reporting is accurate, that there are six teams who have called. Four of them are locks. Just stone cold locks. Colts okay. are a lock. Raiders are a lock. Yes. Falcons are a lock. Yes. Titans are a lock. Yes. Those four teams are a lock. Agree. Okay. Is it the Seahawks? I don't know. We had a good conversation earlier in the show about whether you would trade with a division rival. Whether yeah, we differ a little bit. And I'm not, you know, sometimes I'm not a right or wrong answer. I'm taking the best deal. Whoever gives me the best deal, I could, I, I don't care that it's Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about that. Because, you know what, I'm going to take a lot of your draft picks away. I think I'm actually hurting you. I'm more than, you know, I'm not, you're helping, I'm helping you get a quarterback. I'm also taking a lot of picks away from you. Um, so I'm not, I would take the best package and I wouldn't be like, Seattle offered the best deal, but I'm going to go with the next team because I don't want to trade with them. I get it. I just remember, and I know you do too, how Russell Wilson tortured the Arizona Cardinals for the better part of a decade. And I would hate to give them their next Russell Wilson. You know, that, that, that's the one, it's like, okay, I'm going to deal with a division rival and there's a chance that they're going to draft the quarterback who is going to torture me for the next 10 years. And if you do that, that'll, that deal will haunt you. That deal will hang over Monty Austin Fort's head like a dark rain cloud that will just follow him around wherever he goes. Yeah, but you traded the third pick overall to the division rival and they drafted Anthony Richardson and he's the next great thing in the NFL. And I understand you, you, you got to make the best deal and you're not wrong. You just got to be careful about that. You got think that through. Now, I think there's a flip side to that coin, is that if the Cardinals think, yeah, we've seen Anthony Richardson, he's not that good. Go ahead, take him. 
Take him. You're going to give up a bunch of draft picks for a player who's going to be a bust. He's going to be the next whomever. He's going to be the next Josh Rosen. Yeah, go ahead. Achilles Take Smith. Him. That's the one I was thinking of, actually. I don't know what. He's going to be the next Achilles Smith. Ryan Lee. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take him. Take him. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Division rival. There you go. They just drafted the quarterback who's going to torture us for 10 years, or they just drafted the quarterback who's going to be out of the league in the next four years, and they're going to start from scratch, and we're going to have all their. Yeah, I just picks. don't think you should. I don't think you. you, you I don't think you, you go in afraid of what one. You're like, how do I make my team better? Yeah. I just want to make my team the best team I can make it, so I want the best package possible. So maybe it is the Seahawks, and maybe that's team number five. And maybe we're taking this whole six team thing a little too literally. It's not exactly six teams, but let's play along and have fun with it. Okay, so that's five. Who's the sixth team? Is it Detroit sitting at six? Could be. They, they liked Jared Goff they, they last year. They seem to like Jared Goff very, very much. Yeah, they must make the damn playoffs I last know, year. and there, a lot of people think they're going to make the damn playoffs this year. Yeah. When Aaron Rodgers leaves that division and the Vikings might not be as good as they were and maybe the Bears aren't ready to make that step. I, in fact, I think I was looking at the Vegas over-unders for win totals. I think the Lions have the highest win total in that division. I love that coach. I think, oh, so do I. I That's love that a great team. coach. I, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm here for the Lions, you know, to, to see what they can do. Maybe it is the Lions. Our own Tyler Drake suggested a team when he was trying to guess the six. It would require the Cardinals to go way back. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 19. Have they at least, they certainly could use a quarterback of the future. Have they at least called the Cardinals to inquire? Now, here's the thing about that. Man, that's so far down. I know, but you would get so much crap from them. And when I mean crap, I mean good crap. Like, you're going to get picks galore. Because you can't go from 19 to 3 without giving up. I mean, you're talking about first rounder next year. You're talking about a first round of the year after that. You're probably talking about multiple day two picks to go along with that. It's very expensive to go from 19 to 3. My initial thought is that's way too far to move down. But I have to know what you're getting. Because my initial thought is that's way too far to move down on that draft board. You're not going to get Tyree Wilson. You're not going to get... The Northwestern lineman. You're not going to get Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of you're Oregon. Get, yeah, you're not going to. You're get not going to get like. You're moving down that far. Like, what is the package? Because it better be a slam dunk. You know, it better be over so overwhelming that you're willing to move down. Because that's a big jump down the draft board. I would assume that any deal with a team that far down the draft board would start with three first round picks. Wow, this year. This year's first round pick, next year's, and the year after. I would have to assume it would start there. Start, not end, start. Like, we're not, I'm not talking to you unless you're giving me your 2023, 2024, and 2025 pick. Now, the same thing with the Bucks that we've been talking about with the Titans. Bucks might not be very good next year. So the Bucks might be the avenue for you to get two top five picks next year, assuming you don't lose one because of this whole Terry McDonough thing. Um, so, so for you to have the ability to control next year's draft and then have another first-round pick on top of that in 2025, in addition to what I would assume are a couple of second-rounders or a couple of third-rounders. I don't know what the Jimmy Johnson chart says on something like that. i got to imagine it's a haul. Let me ask you something. Yeah, go ahead. If I told you right now, you, I, I could, if I told you they're going to lose their first-round pick next year, would you be more inclined to trade this year's pick? For a team that could give you a first-round pick next year? 
to make a Tennessee trade or a Tampa trade further down the board. So you have a first-round pick next year? Probably a little. I just wonder if that's... Probably a if little. If you're worried inside that room that you may lose your first-round pick... Because of this whole burner phone thing, yeah. Do you? Like, uh, pro- and I don't know that they are. We have no idea. Uh, we have no idea because it's taken away. Yeah, we've we've seen teams in the past. You know, Bounty Gate, Deflate Gate, the Miami Dolphins with Brady Gate. Is that what we're calling the Dolphins thing? And it doesn't even have a name. I don't. Why know is Brady know. involved in so many gates? Too. Gee, that's that's you got to ask yourself that question, right? There's a lot of Brady out there when it comes to the gates in the NFL. To answer your question, yes, I'd probably be inclined to at least think about. Making sure I get a first round pick next year just in case. But how far do you want to go? Like Tennessee at 11? The Bucks at 19? That's way down there. It is. The Bucks are way down. I don't even want to go to 11. But, you, you know, again, if yeah. the package is one that just overwhelms you, then you've got to think about it. You get the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You don't have to think about that. Just no. subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you're not going to miss the show. The Burns and Gambo Show, it's brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com and start packing. Are the Clippers already, already entering the playoffs on the wrong foot? Talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? What is on tonight brought to you by Global Credit Union. Twelve branches here to serve you. Become a member today at globalcu.org. We got two local games on tonight, Gambo. The Arizona Diamondbacks are taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll preview that matchup and talk a little Diamondbacks baseball coming up in about 10 minutes or so. That game starts at 640. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. Then the Kraken are in Phoenix tonight in Tempe, I should say, taking on the Coyotes at 7 o'clock. I believe that is the second to the last game for the Coyotes this regular season. Hey, Mitch. Mitch, will you please turn on Gambo's microphone, please? Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, wait. Uh, what do we got? You guys try to shut me out? We got a problem with Gambo's microphone here. For some reason, it's not working. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> I didn't touch anything. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I don't push buttons. Good job, Mitch. Like, Jeez. You pushed that one. It's like somehow you pushed. I didn't hear myself. You, you pushed yeah. that little yellow button right there because Mitch. Bravo, I'm going to go my entire career without knowing what any of these buttons mean on these boards. Yes. Congratulations. Mm. Like, I really don't know what they mean. Ain't that something? Mm. Ain't that something? Mm. The on button means that you turn it (laughs) on. Yeah. There's a lot of buttons here. Like, there really is a lot of buttons. You're just over there, blah, 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 blah. blah. PGM, AUD. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I eight would different rows. I would to teach you how it works one day, but I just know that you're not going no, to want to know. One ear out the other, he doesn't want to know. It's, it's, yeah. You know, remember those those NBC promos that used to do the more you know? Gambo's really all about the less you know. The, the less the, is more. Less is when it comes yes. to this. It is, yes. Uh, so this, Did you ever think that maybe there's more to life than being really, really, really ridiculously good looking? <laughs> the Seattle Kraken are at the Coyotes tonight. That game starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on ESPN 620. As I was saying, I believe the Coyotes just have two games left, right? Is that the play? Yeah, That's it. Up. And they're going to get that Ottawa pick. 
They are, huh? We're going to get that Ottawa, Ottawa pick. So the Senators are not going to make the playoffs. Senators are not making the No, they're done. They're out. So this, they're going to get that pick. How crazy is that? And it's going to end up being a good trade for Bill Armstrong. Yeah. And Clayton Keller, by the way, uh, has two games left to tie or surpass Keith Kachuk's single-season points record of 86 in a Coyotes uniform. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, when the franchise are at 86 points, Keller's got 85. So one more point to match, two more points to pass Keith Kachuk for the most in Coyotes franchises. Do we root for him to do it? It depends. You're buddies with Keith Kachuk. You probably don't. Yeah. Me? I have no ties to Keith Kachuk. I, sure. I'm not? rooting against Keller. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, I don't no, mind if he no, does you know it. I no, don't no, mind no, if he does no, it. No, you say that now. The next time we have Clayton Keller yeah. on the show, I'm going to introduce him. And I'm going to tell him, man. And I say, hey, uh, Clayton, he didn't want you to break it. This guy said to my right, he, he didn't want you to break it. My funniest Keith Kachuk story, and we were like, he, like, I knew, I know Keith very well. Like, he's been at my house, I've been to his house, type of thing. But what, when he got traded, which is real quick, can you yeah. tell your favorite Clayton or Keith Kachuk story on the air? This one I can. Okay. Which one are you thinking of? I don't know. I just oh. wanted to make sure. This one I can. It's a family radio show here. So, so, so I get a phone call, and this is all the whole thing with, you know, Keith's going to get traded. He was going to get traded to the Rangers. He was going to get traded here, there. So I get a phone call, and it's Keith. I pick it up with him in the middle of doing the show. Hey, I just got traded to the Blues. Okay? And I talked to him for a second. He goes, I got to go. I got to call my wife. So <laughs> Chantel, he goes, I got to call Chantel. I go, you didn't call Chantel? No, you're the first person I'm calling. I'm telling you. So he called me, told me he got traded to the Blues. We break the story. Then he called his wife. <laughs> So if his wife would have not picked up the phone or been busy, she would have heard it on the radio. If if I ever yeah. tell you something before I tell my wife, just oh. God help me. They all did. Tockett did it. Ronick did it. They all called me before they called their wives. God help but me. But Keith was like, all right, I got to go. I got to call Chantel. She doesn't know. I'm like, all right. That's... Uh that's pathetic. You know what? I'm rooting for Clayton Keller even more now. Oh, call your okay. wife first. Yeah. Call your wife before you call Gambo to let your wife know, hey, by the way, honey, uh, not for mm-hmm. nothing, we're moving to St. Louis. You know, call your wife Run first. Run away to St. Louis. Don't call Gambo first. Call your wife first. That's, yeah. that's what I would say about that. Uh, all right. So that's what's on tonight. And again, it's mentioned, it's uh, brought to you by Global Credit Union. So the Suns, and we're still, I, I don't know when we're to expect the announcement. Uh, we know game one is on Sunday. We don't know what time. We don't know when the rest of the games are between the Suns and the Clippers. Best of seven first round playoff series. Suns are the four. Clippers are the five. What I'll be really curious to see when the schedule comes out, it's not so much what time the game is on on Sunday. I want to know how many games there are in between, how many days there are in between the games. Yeah, because for the Suns, I think this will hurt the Clippers, too. But last year, almost all of the games were back, you know, were one day, every every other day, every other day. day. There was like once where they got two days of rest, and Chris Paul was so happy about it. But that wears a team down. The Suns have two very older players. If you're going to go, if they're going to go Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, like that wears a team down. You want more than anything, you want the two days off. Because what, what a lot of players will tell you, I don't know if all of but a lot of those players will tell you that, that's, that, that, that in between day is not really a day off. You're traveling not, or you're yeah. practicing or you're doing Now, the doing Suns, whatever. if they have an early game, it, it might be looked as a day off. But usually, if you're playing at 7 o'clock at night, and then by the time you get done and you get out of there and you get home and you get to bed, you don't really look at that next day as like a full day off. Right, right. Because it's not a normal routine day. So that's that's something to look at, too, the schedule. And, and if there's any 
extra days off other than just playing every other day. And that's and that's why I was really comparing it to last year because last year was it was relentless. It was every day. It was every other day they were playing, right? And, and that wore on them. That wore on everybody. They needed a break. And I just wonder if that schedule is going to provide a little bit more of a break. Of course, the other thing that we don't know is Paul George. Now, there was a report today from Sham Sharani, and I'll just go ahead and read this to everybody right now, that certainly doesn't rule him out for the upcoming series, but it makes it very clear that he is not going to be there for the start of it. Sham Sharania. According to sources, Clipper star Paul George is expected to be sidelined to begin the first round playoff series against the Suns, but is making tangible progress from its March 21st knee injury. As you pointed out, he is rapidly approaching three weeks since suffering that. Yeah, knee and injury. that was the time frame, two to three weeks. Now we always talk about ramp up. You know, guys are showing, okay, you're cleared to play. No, it doesn't work like that when you've missed several weeks. You got to ramp yourself back up. Whether that's three, four, five days a week, there's a, like if if he's on pace and he's doing things, there's probably a chance that he could come back when the series shifts to L.A. for games three and four. We know that would be no matter what, it's not going to be the earliest it could be is next Wednesday. That'd be there if so. If they go Sunday, I mean no, no Thursday. Thursday. If they go Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, so that's another ten days from now. Can can Paul George get himself ready to play in ten days? I'm sure that would be welcome for the Clippers. Oh sure. Then they just try to split with Phoenix, get Paul George back, give yourself a chance in L.A. Yeah. How effective would he be? How much of Paul George would he be? I, I don't know. You know, it it, it just depends. But. Um, how aggressive do they want to be? I think a lot might depend on how desperate are they. Are they down 0-2 in the series? Have they split right. it? Do they feel like they can take their time a little bit? And then from a Sun standpoint, the only real injuries right now that they're dealing with is that to Bismack Biombo and Cameron Payne, who both got hurt Friday against the Lakers. Um, Biz banged knees with AD in the game on Friday, had to leave. And then Cameron Payne had that nasty kind of you know bruise on his tailbone. And had to leave the game as well. Neither one of them played on Sunday. I imagine we'll get more of a read throughout the course of the week about those guys' availability. They would both obviously come in handy. Maybe Biz more than Cam, just because of the backup role that he plays off the bench as the big guy, and it might be needed in a physical series against the Clips if it gets physical. Don't we just don't know what campaign is going to. Yeah, and I don't think the Clippers are really that physical of a team, right? Do you? I think they're a Nicholas little. Nicholas Batum. I think they and, play with an attitude and an edge. Not Nicholas Batum, but I think Mason Plumlee's a fairly physical player. He took out Ish Wainwright huh. yesterday. Yeah. Right? Um, I think Zubac is a big guy who might draw fouls. You know, so you might need to. You can use Jock Landale too, and Landale was fine yesterday. But I don't know. I think it's it's not a team with a tremendous amount of size. I'll give you that. But the two guys they have down there, I think, play with kind of a physical edge to them. Where Biombo might be more of a necessity. Campaign. I just don't know. Who knows what kind of minutes he's going to get? We don't really know. No, if he was fully healthy, I wouldn't know what kind of minutes he's going to get. Right. So, you know, that's an interesting thing just to see how that goes. Look, we'll know soon enough because they're going to they are going to shorten the bench. They are going to play the starters a lot more to make sure that they win these games and not give up, you know, not give up the runs and everything. But, you know, Monty does have a lot of guys on that. But look, Clippers have a better bench, but Monty's got a lot of guys on the bench that he does trust. No doubt. When we come back, finally, an opponent not in the National League West as the first place. Yeah, the first place Arizona Diamondbacks get ready to play a game tonight. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Diamondbacks baseball coming up tonight. Pre-game coverage, official pre-game coverage coming up at 6 o'clock. This is your Diamondbacks on deck coverage here on the Burns and Gambo Show as the first place Arizona Diamondbacks tied for first place in the National League West with the San Diego Padres. That's got a nice ring to it, Burns. Certainly does. It's got a nice ring to it. You're ready to take on the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. There are only two teams in all of Major League Baseball who have more wins than the Diamondbacks do right now. Milwaukee's one of them. They've got seven wins on the season. They're seven and two. The the other is the Tampa Bay Rays, who apparently are never going to lose a game as long as they live. They're nine and zero. So never far seen to start a team go one hundred and sixty two and zero. But right. yeah, that, that pitching has been unbelievable. That pitching coach should be a, a manager. I mean, that's what a great job he's done. That pitching's been unreal, no doubt about it. But let's talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're coming off a series win, their first four game series win against the Dodgers since two thousand nineteen. If I read the notes right, Boy, it's they, nice to beat them. They, it was, it's nice, it's to, nice beat to beat them. them. It's nice to do it in front of your home crowd where you reward the. Diamondback fans who were there, and I know there's a bunch of Dodger fans always when the Dodgers are in town. That's got to feel really good, I imagine, for the players. And just taking three of four and doing it in a really aggressive, entertaining, throwback style of baseball with all of the stolen bases <laughs> and all of the extra work that they're doing. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I think for this fan base, they're going to like the stolen base even more than the home run. I mean, they pulled off a double steal yesterday with the two guys stealing bases with two of the slower guys on the the team and Ahmed and Herrera. It was like it wasn't Carroll and Thomas. It was incredible. A double steal with Nick Ahmed and Herrera. It was it was they had 43 hits in their three wins against the Dodgers. 43 hits. Only four of them were home runs. So it's not a team not hitting a lot of long balls. There was some some home runs hit, four of them, but it was nice to see Cattell Marte get a home run. But overall it's 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 singles, it's doubles, it's stolen bases. It's not the home run that's that's carrying this team. No, they have been the, the traffic <laughs> on the bases and the aggression that they're having on the bases. Five stolen bases yesterday. Nick Ahmed had two of them. Alec Thomas had one of them. Jose Herrera, as you mentioned, his first career stolen base. The story, the way it was told this morning on AZ Central's website was that Dave McKay apparently had a meeting pregame with some of the players and he showed them some video of the Dodgers and how they were holding base runners. Now, what exactly he told the guys, I don't know. Uh, The Republic didn't say, but clearly Dave McKay and at part of that meeting, they saw something. They unlocked something, much like a pitcher tipping his pitches. There must have been something about what about the way the Dodgers were defending the stolen base that the Diamondbacks knew they could take advantage of. And boy, did they ever take advantage of it to the tune where the Dodgers catcher got himself run out of the game. And that's the goal. In addition to taking the extra 90 feet. Frustrating. Get in the head of the mm-hmm. pitcher. Get in the head of the catcher. Boston bon- Barnes got tossed. And it was he was he was. Talking about a pitch that he thought was a strike, but he was frustrated from the double steal the inning before. He was frustrated from all the stolen bases and and just getting their asses kicked by the Diamondbacks. They're not used to that, so he got he got rung up and tossed from the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. There was a great story today on Sports Illustrated from Jack Summers, <sighs> who points out that the pace right now for the Diamondbacks with stolen bases is 275. The last team to steal that many or more in a season, the 1985. St. Louis That's Cardinals. That's the team. 
And that that's the team. That's, that's the, comp, the team they're measured right? by. That's the comp. Yeah, a bunch of speed guys and Christian Walker in the middle of it. Hit a bunch of dingers, right? Or, yes. or could tell Mark because that had Jack Clark on that team back in '85. He was that big. Who's bopper. He was the big bopper, surrounded by a bunch of speed. That's kind of. Kind of I don't know if the Diamondbacks are going to maintain that pace. That seems like an awful lot, but that's kind of the goal. But beyond that, that teams that twenty-two home runs was the most home runs a player on that team had. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks will do better than that. I think I think their top home run hitter will have more than twenty-two. Tommy Hur had 31 stolen bases. Ozzie Smith had 31. Um, Vince Coleman had 110. Willie McGee had 56. Andy Vance like had 34. So one, two, three, four, five guys with 30 or more stolen bases. One guy with 110. Yeah. It's not just that, though. And that's what this great article points out, is that it's the, the stolen base is one thing. When presented with the opportunity to take an extra base... The Diamondbacks have done so 64% of the time. That's the best rate in baseball. The average is 45% of the time. So they're far, far and above. Away. Far and above. Yeah, you don't have like, you know, a, a, a runner on first and a base hit to right field. You don't have the luxury of just assuming that that guy's going to stop at second base if you're a defensive player against the D backs. Pitching matchup tonight. Former Diamondback Ooh. Wade Miley gets the start for the Brew Crew, the 7 and 2 Milwaukee Brewers. He, the lefty, is 1 0 with an ERA of 0. Zach Allen, like to see him get on track tonight. He's 0 1 to start the season with a 7 5 9 ERA. Yeah, Wade Miley was really good that last time out. The six shutout inning, struck out three, gave up five hits. And coming back to the D backs where he was with the D backs for, you know, for a number of years, made an all star appearance in 2012. Remember that? Wade Miley was an all-star in 2012. So, Zach Gallon has given up three-plus runs in each of his first two starts, so he's looking to get a little bit better uh, back to the type of pitcher that we expect him to be. Diamondbacks injury report is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. A lot of moves made by the Diamondbacks over the weekend. Zach Davies was put on the 50-day, 15-day injured list with a strained left oblique. Dre Jameson will be moved out of the bullpen into the starting rotation. In fact, Tori Lovello announced today Dre Jameson will start on Wednesday. It was supposed to be Mad Bum's spot. They're going to push him back to Friday, give him a little extra rest. Yes. Too bad it's on Friday of 2024. Um, but yeah, no, makes sense. I mean, because he's not pitching very well and you know, give him that extra day and see if that matters for him. I'm glad about I, I want to see what the long reliever is now in case they get in trouble because Dre, Dre Jameson did a really good job as a long reliever. Peter Solomon was in the clubhouse and pitched yesterday after being called up from AAA Reno. That was part of the move as well. The team also made a trade acquiring right-handed pitcher Jose Ruiz from the White Sox. They moved a couple of players as well to the 60-day injured list Mark Melanson and Cole Sulcer. Also, Kyle Lewis was put on the 10-day injured list over the weekend. Paven Smith was called up. Had a really nice day yesterday. Hit the ball very, Hit the ball really well with the extra base hits. He drove one down the right field line, one down the left field line. Look, we know he could hit. He didn't make the team out of spring training. He lost out on to to Kyle Lewis, but he gets the call up with Lewis Hurt, and he can rake. We know Paven Smith could hit. It was good to see him get a a couple of knocks yesterday. All right, the MLB standings presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond, honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Diamondbacks in the Padres 
tied atop the National League West with six and four records. The Dodgers are five and five. Giants are four and five. Colorado Rockies are four and six. The best record in the National League belongs to the Milwaukee Brewers. They are seven and two. The second best record in the National League belongs to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're six and three. So how about that? The yeah, surprise yeah. for the Pirates. Brewers. This is the start of an eleven-game road trip for them. Yeah, we'll see starting tonight how they do. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. Uh, this could be so many different things, Bernsey, but I'm going to go with the play that me and you both loved over the weekend. That great diving catch by Alec Thomas to rob Freddie Freeman and save some runs because that was a terrific defensive play. We're talking about the speed on the base paths. Let's talk about the speed in the field. The Arizona Diamondbacks have 13 defensive runs saved. That is the second most in the major leagues. That's the key to the game. Save some runs with that defense. Diamondbacks baseball is up now. We're out of here. We're going to see you tomorrow straight at 2 o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.